Well, let's open this evening to Genesis chapter 49, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 28. Genesis chapter 49, and we'll begin at verse 1. In this chapter, we have Jacob's last words to his sons, prophetic blessings that uh, not only pertain to these 12 sons of his, but to their descendants that would become the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. So as we read this, uh, we'll understand that these blessings, these prophetic blessings came to pass in the lives of these sons and their descendants. And so we know that Jacob is speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit here. He, He wasn't just what he wished for his boys, but it's what the Lord said was to come. And so in verse 1 of Genesis 49, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. So in each of these blessings that we're going to read, we're going to see that he accurately foretold what was going to come to pass. And that, of course, can only come by revelation from the one who knows the end from the beginning. Beginning with the firstborn in verse 3 says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water. You shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Remember the sin of Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn, but he did not live up to the potential of that position. And therefore, he did not receive the blessings and the privileges of the firstborn. Reuben tried to force his way into power and authority in the, in the family before Jacob passed away. And this should be something that, that we should learn from as well. You cannot force the will of God. You ask for the will of God. You seek the will of God. But we cannot force God's blessing and we cannot force God's hand or his timing. uh, All of which Reuben tried to do and miserably failed. And So Jacob's words here, they are certainly a rebuke. We call these blessings. And yet they still are, it still is a blessing to Reuben because notice that he does not exclude Reuben from having an inheritance. It's simply that he's not going to excel And he's not going to inherit the double portion of the firstborn. But nonetheless, he still is a part of the inheritance of the land of Canaan that was promised Abraham and his descendants. Then in verse 5, we go on to Simeon and Levi, our brothers. Instruments of cruelty are you in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And this, of course, is exactly what happened with these two tribes. Because of their violent and uncontrolled revenge for their sister's rape that we considered in the earlier chapters... These brothers would not be given a great or distinct inheritance among Israel, but they would be scattered throughout Israel. 
Now, for the tribe of Simeon, if you look on the either in the back of your Bible or if they're on the Internet, you can easily find a map of how the land was divided among the tribes. You'll find that Simeon's inheritance of the land of Canaan actually became a part of the tribe of Judah. And they're, so they're kind of swallowed up by Judah's inheritance. They, they have an inheritance, they have a place, but it is among the tribe of Judah. And the Levites, of course, they went on to be the, the priests and the, the workers of the tabernacle and the temple. And they were given 48 cities among all of the other tribes. So they were quite literally were scattered throughout the land of Canaan among the other tribes. So once again, this prophecy is fulfilled. And the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy is one of the greatest evidence of the reality of God and of the trustworthiness of the Bible. No other religious book can say that they have this kind of accuracy in their, in their prophecies, only the Word of God. And so the Bible is something that we can certainly trust. Then we, then we go on to verse 8, and we have Judah's blessing. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? You don't mess with a feeding lion. You don't mess with the tribe of Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Now, the, the word Shiloh, it's translated different ways by different ones. It's evidently a difficult word to trace back. Some translated as the bringer of peace or the bringer of prosperity. And it's a prophetic name of the Messiah, obviously. Uh, but the exact meaning is, is not pinned down. Some actually translate it as whose it belongs. In other words, the scepter, the right to rule the nation of Israel and the tribes of Israel. Judah will have that power to govern the tribes until the one to whom that throne belongs shall receive it. In other words, the Messiah, Jesus. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey colt to the choice vine. That is, the grapevines will be so abundant that they'll even be used as hitching posts. It's just such an abundant thing that they can even use it to tie down their donkeys. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. It just, again, talks about the abundance. It'll be as abundant as wash water uh, under Judah's guidance. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk, simply talking about health and prosperity. So friends and foe alike, the promise is, are going to praise the power and the authority of the tribe of Judah. And Judah's name means praise. And it was through this tribe that, of course, the name of Jehovah would be praised. King David came from this tribe, and ultimately the lion of the tribe of Judah is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Judah's earlier failings as a, as a person, as an individual. 
And yet we see God graciously choosing Judah's descendants to become the chief tribe among the nations. An example, once again, of God's grace. God can take us where we are if we will turn to him and trust him. This is what happened with, with Judah and his descendants. And so with Jacob, we see that the, the blessings of the, the firstborn is divided among several. The priesthood is going to go to the Levites. The authority to govern is obviously given here to Judah. And we'll, we'll see that Joseph will receive the, the greatest blessing. We'll see that that double portion because of his sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, he receives the double portion of the firstborn. So we, we see that, that those blessings that are normally reserved all for the firstborn, in the case of Jacob's family, they're divided among these three different uh, tribes. Verse 13, Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall adjoin Sidon. And obviously, if you look at the division of the, the land of Canaan, the portion of the tribe of Zebulun was going to be on the west coast of Canaan. And so, again, it came to pass just as Jacob prophesied. Verse 14, Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw the rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. In other words, this tribe was a very hard-working people. And some actually translate it this way, and it gives a little bit different twist than what our English translation gave here. Uh, but both of them are accurate. Uh, you can translate it this way. He saw his portion, that it was good, and the land, that it was fruitful. And he shall subdue the provinces of the people and drive out their inhabitants, and those who are left shall be his servants and his tributaries. And so the thought there that last uh, and became a band of slaves, if it's a reference to Issachar, then it's talking about how that they were a hard-working people. But with this translation, it has the thought of that they will conquer the inhabitants that were there in their portion and make them slaves. In First Chronicles 7, we see that what was prophesied about Issachar came to pass. In First Chronicles 7, verses 1 and 2, I won't try to read all of these names, but in verse 2 there, the last half of that verse, uh, the sons of Tola were mighty men of valor in their generations. Their number in the days of David was 22,600. And so they, they became uh, a very hardworking people and also a very important part of, of David's kingdom. Now, Going back to Genesis 49 and verse 16, we continue with the tribe of Dan. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that its riders shall fall backwards. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. Samson it came from the tribe of Dan, and this very well could be speaking directly about Samson and how that he came kind of a snake along the roadside that nips at the, the heels of a horse that kind of sneaks up and unexpected 
but it can kill the horse and the rider. Uh, and that's exactly, of course, what Samson did. He was a judge of the tribes in his day, and he delivered the people of Israel. So once again, the prophecy was fulfilled. Verse 19, Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. The portion of the land of Canaan for the tribe of Gad was next door to the Amorites that were the constant enemies of Israel. And they were constantly uh, invading Israel through the land, the territory that belonged to Gad. And so, uh, once again, the prophecy is you're going to get trampled, but ultimately you will come out victorious. And that happened many times during the time of the judges and at other times. Uh, But obviously, it speaks ultimately of the, the victory that will take place when Jesus comes and delivers the people of Israel. They will ultimately be victorious. They've been conquered many times. They've suffered at the hands of their enemy. But ultimately, they will wind up victorious. The same is true with us today. There are problems. There are trials that we go through. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And at times, the Lord allows him to attack. But in order for God to do his will, not Satan's. And ultimately, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so we have many blessings that have been promised us. They are prophetic as well, and they are realized in our life when we trust the Lord. Verse 20, it says, The bread of Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. The inheritance of the tribe of Asher was in a very fertile area that was good for growing grain. And so obviously, they became known for their bread making. And they supplied the various kings of Israel uh, with their royal dainties, the, the pastries and the bread. And once again, this was as these boys, before they had all of their descendants that became the tribes, this was already established in the, the mind of God. Verse 21, Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Apparently, Naphtali and his descendants were especially gifted in the art of prose and verse. This was something that was going to be, uh, Naphtali was going to be known for. And now we come to the fullest blessing, the double portion of the firstborn, and that is to Joseph, who was not the firstborn, but inherited that because of his faithfulness. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. In other words, prosperity and his inheritance would grow. His descendants would be many. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. He stood head and shoulders above them in his character and in his faithfulness to Jehovah. 
This blessing to Joseph, of course, is the longest and the fullest blessing. It is the blessing of the firstborn. The Messiah was not to come through Joseph, came through uh, Judah, but this prophecy was showing how that God was going to bless and ultimately through the tribe of Ephraim that became one of the most prominent tribes among, among Israel. Jacob in his blessing also acknowledged that Joseph, he was attacked. It doesn't say in his blessing that it was his brothers, but we know that it was. Uh, his brothers hated him. They tried to kill him. But God protected him. God ordered Joseph's steps all along the way. And, and J- Jacob acknowledged that this is why, why he's receiving this double blessing is because he was faithful to Jehovah and Jehovah was faithful to him to protect him. Uh, Jehovah was a shepherd and a rock, a stone that protected and strengthened and preserved Joseph. And of course, Joseph's God is our God. And he does the same for us. He's our shepherd. A shepherd protects, he guides, he provides. Without the shepherd, sheep are going to die. They're just not going to thrive. Without Jesus, we are nothing. He's everything that we need. Then we do have the Benjamites, Joseph's little brother. Benjamin, verse 27, is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. The Benjamites were known for being fierce warriors. Uh, A few notable Benjamites uh, were one of the judges in the book of Judges, Ehud, and then, of course, King Saul and his son Jonathan, also very uh, well-known, notable Benjamites that were fierce warriors. In verse 28, he concludes by saying, All of these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them, and he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. Once again, there's something we can learn from that. Our walk with the Lord and consequently our rewards for our service, they are individual. The blessings were on all of Jacob's descendants. They all had the opportunity to know Jehovah and to enter into the fullness of the blessings of Jehovah. But only those according to their faithfulness to the Lord, well, in proportion to their faithfulness, they receive their own reward and their own blessing. And that's true of each one of us. We are one body, and we are a local congregation, and there are responsibilities and accountability as a group corporately. But ultimately, our walk is with the Lord. This is why it's so important for us to care for our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word, and that we might have a personal revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's accomplished for us and what he wants to do in us and through us. From these prophetic blessings that that were fulfilled, that we can look back at history and say that's exactly what happened to those tribes, We understand that God knows the end from the beginning. He has a plan for the nation of Israel, and he's given us what that plan is. We know ultimately they're going to be the head of the nations, not the tail. And no matter what we see in history, in fact, everything that we see in history actually causes us to understand that the Bible is accurate and true. Because even their harshest trials, 
people wanting to eradicate them from the planet. That's also a fulfillment of prophecy. God said that would happen because of Israel's rebellion, because of their rejection of the Messiah. And so when we see the, the sufferings of the nation of Israel and the, the uh, anti-Semitic attacks that are on the rise right now, not only in our country but around the world, we understand that that's a fulfillment of Scripture. But we also know that's not the end for the nation of Israel. We understand that they have to go through this great tribulation that is yet to come, but from that he will purify a remnant. God has a plan for the nation of Israel, but he also has a plan for us. And he sees the end from the beginning, and yet he says all things to work together for your good. That these light tribulations of life, they're working for us and not against us. He sees the end, and he still says that. Can we believe that? That's what's going to happen. They're promises, and, the, and yet they're prophetic in the sense that he's simply telling us what his plan and purpose is for our life. We need to trust him. And as we learn to yield to him, we're going to enter into our portion, to our inheritance that he has for us. God's going to fulfill his plans and purposes in our life. Let's go to Colossians 2 and verses 9 and 10. We have been made some promises from this same faithful God. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. We belong to him. We're his. We're part of his tribe, if you will. He's the heir of all things. And we are heirs of God but joint heirs with Christ if we learn to suffer with him. Well, I think we'll close there tonight before we go on to consider Jacob's death and burial.